Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. Hey, and welcome back for another week of the Rick and Don Show. Um, we had uh, last week we uh, waxed nostalgic about some some good uh, wrestling uh, topics in uh, our uh, childhood. So, um, kind of had a, a little bit of a foreshadowing with wanting to jump into our topic for this week of, of magic trading everything. Um, but uh, first, just wanted to talk about what we've got going on lately, what what we've been listening to. So, um, you had mentioned the. Uh, the recent Mark Marin episode was a was a great one. Yeah, like that, yeah, that intro, like the interview, like I always like it when he interviews magi- uh, not magicians. <laughs> <laughs> it, we could probably look through the catalog and see if he has a an interview with a magician. <laughs> yeah. uh, when he interviews uh, interviews uh, musicians, because like uh, the interviews always take like a different different tone and. Um, you know, I think it was really apropos his lead up. I was telling you a little bit about the the solo uh, solo part that he does at the beginning, and it seemed it was a nice little it was a nice little tie in, and and um, you know, Mark Mark Marin is you know he was interviewing uh, he, he was interviewing Robbie uh, Robertson there, and uh, and you know, the guy played with Bob Dylan, <laughs> so um, so yeah, it was a cool little cool little lead, and that one was really good. Yeah, so there's there's a couple other ones I I haven't been like tell him Steve Davis had a, a good episode recently, uh, but yeah, there's there's just a lot of good ones that I'm I'm jumping into and uh, the problem of just keeping up with them ends up being a problem mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, yeah. But I've I've got some uh, travel coming up later this week um, that I'll be uh, having a lot of time in the airports uh, for. So I, I I usually just put those in, put, pop my earbuds in and walk around and then nobody talks to me when I'm in the airport, which is a very big perk. So, uh, right. I, I end up, I like, I'll, I'll have a bunch there and I end up listening to like six before my flight takes off. And I'm like, Holy shit, I was here this long. So, uh, those, there are some good episodes that are there always end up, uh, going a long way for me. Yeah. Um, so kind of connecting back to what we were talking about and also with my travel this week, I had some bad family news. So I'm unfortunately traveling home this weekend um, and I won't be able to play in the magic or the star city games regional championships, uh, which is a, a large tournament for magic. Um, and one of the, the formats that, that I'm a fan of um, this weekend, as I put a bunch of preparation in uh, did a lot of reading and now I won't be able to play, which I think like the last three regionals, or, or states or something I haven't been able to play in. So this happens a lot. So I need mm. to stop pre-registering in advance because now I have to call <laughs> them and get my money back. Um, but that shouldn't be too big of a deal. Um, but uh, the majority of that is uh, is just uh, a bummer. I won't be able to play. But the uh, the alternative is uh, the reason why I'm going home is obviously much more of a bummer. But um, mm. Anyway, so what we what I wanted to talk to you about, since uh, you you mentioned uh, in our initial episode, you have a, a master's of fine arts, but you could probably also create your degree or create your own degree in a master's of magic trading. Um, <laughs> and so it's something that I loathe for a number of reasons, but it's something that you know you're uh, uh, you excel at and, and have some great stories for. So uh, <laughs> I just wanted to pick your brain on what is the, the the, like your drive, your strategy, your kind of desired outcome for when you're trading with folks um, and, and all of that stuff. Because for me, it, it ends up being uh, much worse than pulling teeth. And for someone who has a jacked oh, up yeah. grill um, and doesn't really visit the dentist very often, um, you know, that's even more painful. So uh, USA, yeah. USA. <laughs> so it, it ends up being something where uh, it's not something I, I'm very much excited to do. But uh, mm. when I have uh, some friends that are very good at it, like uh, you and and uh, our other friend uh, Slusher, um, they mm. end up uh, being able to to be very successful, and it's very profitable. Um, but it's something where I feel like I need to stay up late at night, um, listen to an infomercial, and then call someone with a time limit and give them my credit card to tell me how to do it because. <laughs> When I try, it just doesn't work very often, or I just I have very awkward social interactions. So, uh, <laughs> if you want to give me and our listeners a, a quick masterclass and and how to kind of make magic trading be profitable, and we'll even just kind of describe what trading is, even though you know yeah. I, 
the trading concept of a trading card game should be uh, pretty well understood, but um, just kind of your the ins and outs and your experiences mm-hmm. with it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the um, so the big thing is that it's a trading card game, um, and basically what happens is that you buy you um, if for those of you that aren't familiar, is you buy a pack of cards, a randomized pack of cards from a retailer like Walmart or a small hobby shop or, or something of that nature. And you open the pack and each one of those packs, uh, each one of those cards in this pack has a value that's assigned to them by a secondary market. Basically, this is how much people are willing to pay for this card. Most of the cards, uh, when you open up one of these packs, aren't worth uh, a whole bunch. Most of them are worth like a dime or a nickel or whatever. Uh, but sometimes in these packs, there's a, you'll find cards that are in really high demand with the secondary market and uh they'll be worth anywhere from 20 30 50 100 dollars depending on what you get if not more um so uh so basically um so (laughs) trying to think so so that's basically how uh how trading works and there are a couple of ways that people um um approach trading um in to be successful at it. Um, my method is completely different than what I've seen other people do. Um, and it's actually close. I was talking to somebody at work about this. I, um, Oh uh, yeah, I'm actually starting, uh, I'm starting the series 65 training stuff next week. So, uh, I guess I'm getting into the world of finance. Okay. Um, that'll that'll be some, uh, some fun studying then, (laughs) (laughs) which it's, uh, yeah, I know they're like, they told me yesterday, I was like in the process of doing something like, yeah, so we signed you up for the class. The book's coming in about a week. And I'm like, huh? Oh, me? Okay. <laughs> and, um, so we, um, so the reason I mentioned that is because um, it is uh, – the way that I do actually reminds me um, of a certain investment strategy. But we'll, I'll cover the basics of how other people do this. Um, so so um, now – so all of that stuff um, – so as I mentioned earlier, uh, there is a secondary market that determines the value of the cards you open from those random packs. Um, now you're going, well, Donald, that's cool. Uh, so what if I got one of these packs and got these cards? Where would I go to get rid of them? And that comes in handy where my other what my other job is. Um, you would go to a local uh, local game store that specializes in tabletop games, including uh, trading card games like Magic the Gathering. Often those stores will buy cards um, from you at basically a dis- uh, at a discounted rate, uh, so they would basically be getting uh, profit. So they would still have a profit margin to uh, run their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I mention that is because there are a series of traders out there who um, trade as if they're functioning as a store. Um, and what they'll do is they would go up to somebody um, and go, oh, let's trade, and proceed to have a um, value all of their stuff at full retail with the full demand of the secondary market, and then value your stuff at a lesser price. Um, those guys are jerks. Um, <laughs> I have not met one who has been nice. Who hasn't been a jerk. <laughs> yeah, like... Who like um, you know I um I've met you know I've met um in you know trading for the when I work when the store that I work for asked me to trade for them, um you know they're basically just like pick up stuff um you know that you think we could use and make sure everybody leaves happy and I'm like okay I can do that um and so. <laughs> Yeah, so like they're you know, and like folks make a lot of money off of that, and they kind of like I I personally don't like doing that because like uh, you can you sort it almost feels like you're bullying people in the transaction. Exactly, and, and that's usually what I feel where trying to get anyone to offer trading or to get up to trading, it feels like mm-hmm. you're bullying them to begin with. So it just feels like an awkward situation. But uh, mm-hmm. as you've said, most of the people just aren't nice, so they don't have to worry about that. Yeah. But yeah, and um, let's see. This is the wrong message. Yeah, so um, yeah, dead air is the best. Um, yeah, no big deal. Um, 
Yeah, that's why my roommate asked me if I want to go get food. Um, so, yeah, so um, a lot of those guys, um, you know, because it ends up being their livelihood, um, they are really like, you know, they'll really hound. Like, it's it's not a good experience. Like, I've done some of, you know, I've been on the receiving end of those trades, and it never left me feeling good. And, and um, you know, it's that's not my goal to trade. Um, with that kind of training. There are other folks um, who do something um, called um, paper clipping. In this, I've done like a little bit. Um, and basically what it is, it's a style of trading um, that came from this, uh, I won't say urban legend, but it's because it's actually happened. Um, there's a story that went around of how a guy basically, through a series of trades, turned a paper clip into a house. Okay. Um, now, not a great house, but he took a paperclip from his desk and through a series of trades of people that he met, turned it into a house. And some of those trades were questionable, to be honest. Um, like, you know, he ended up trading the paperclip for like a dolphin pen and then the dolphin pen for a snow globe and then like the snow globe for concert tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a bit questionable, you know, <laughs> and then concert tickets for a dirt bike and then something for a recording contract and then traded that for that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So and basically what happens is that um, you have a card and basically what happens is you sit down across from the from a person and you basically go, hey, um, can you throw in this card that's worth like 50 cents or you know, like you go, hey, this trades a little bit in my favor. Is that OK? And you basically and most of the time, if you're nice enough, people just go, yeah, that's fine, because it's not a big you know, it's not a big deal. And as over time, um you'll have a series of trades where you've basically accumulated value. If you're adding, if you go to an event and do 10 trades and you've added a 75 cents to a dollar in each one of those trades in your favor, um, you've ended up with basically an extra $10 in your, in your imaginary collection. And, um, you basically that, that $10 could be another card. Um, so I, I would sort I would sort of do that a little bit. Um, so what I do, um, and most of the folks who paperclip, there's sometimes like those folks can be like nice. Um, sometimes um, the thing with paperclipping is that it's become super popular, and people are kind of just like I've run into a couple people where it's like you have a trade even if you're not trying to paperclip or anything. And there's a trade that's like 15 cents difference. They're going to fight you over the 15 mm-hmm. cents. Those aren't fun people, just period, in life. And those um. are the ones that kind of turn me off to trading in general, where, mm-hmm. again, I don't know if it's confirmation bias or if it's just narrow vision or what. But those are the people that I always for, – or maybe if it's karma, that that's who – the trading karma that tend to gravitate back towards me. Um, so <laughs> – it's the one where, again, like I have a pretty decent sized collection, but I don't generally trade most of the staples off or the high dollar cards mm-hmm. off. So I'm not looking to trade like high dollar for high dollar. Like I have a lot of the low dollar stuff that I'm just looking to close out ones and twos of here. Um, mm-hmm. And so the people that I generally end up with are the ones that, yeah, they're trying to nickel and dime you on the other side as opposed to, um, you know, being a little bit flexible and, and mm-hmm. kind of swinging it, like you were saying. Yeah. Like, um, and, and mind you, and I, I do want to make it clear that it's like with those series of paper clips, it's okay. Like trades don't have to be exactly even. Um, and that for you, like if you're the one who's trying to do that kind of trading, um, you know, it's fine to give somebody an even trade. And what happens is that people is take it as something to prescribe to and, and become really devout with it. And, and, and like, oh, I have to be up on this trade, every single one of these trades, it gets around like you'll get, you know, and in that. So, um, now what I do, um, is a bit different, uh, than what other people do. And of course, when I buy for the store that I work for, which I'll be doing this weekend at star cities, regionals and Raleigh, North Carolina conventions at the Raleigh, North Carolina convention center. Um, <laughs> which will this by the time this actually gets aired, that's going to be, be super over, outdated. But, yeah. You know, maybe somebody will stumble upon it and they'll have a positive interaction with you, you know, afterwards. And then it's a good, good review. Um, so, uh, what I do basically is, um, 
it's oh and i should say there's are there are folks who do like a lot of speculation too um who actually treat it because the secondary market of magic actually has a lot of stuff that's in um in common with like investment stuff and um uh, uh and sort of like the stock market um so what i do um is a uh, a bit different than um so people will speculate on like bulk rares Basically, it's what people do is the equivalent of like look at penny stocks and go, this penny stock's gonna go for a dollar soon a share. I want the I want to get out on the ground floor, mm-hmm. and they don't go anywhere because they're penny stocks. Um, what I do is a little bit different. Um, and my motto is people ask me how I trade, and I go, I just get cards that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know is com- <laughs> is like I say that sort of facetiously, but it's also kind of true. Um, Basically, I trade um, in a style that's apparently closer to how um, uh, sound like full of myself, but like I just learned about it recently and I was actually able to compare it um, is basically really close to how basically Warren Buffett um, invests in companies where he basically invests in a company where he knows there's more potential um, at a lower at a lower price. So. Um, he calls them basically cigar butt, um, is like cigar butt investing. And this is something that I basically have been doing, um, basically on my own in a magic kind of way, um, you know, for basically years. And even when I was kind of trading in, in Yu-Gi-Oh a little bit, um, just the kind of, oh, this card's cool. This is a good price for this card. This card, I know this card is worth more. Mm-hmm. It will be worth more at some point. So um, that's basically sort of how I trade. So, um, for instance, we'll sit down and and we could have a, uh, you know, you have a $10 card and I've got a couple $3 cards and um, or I have a $10 card and you have a couple $3 cards. And I'm like, hey, like, I really like the $3 card. But secondary says it's only worth $3. You know, I think the card's worth you know, I think the cards were 15. And so we sit down and go I'm like, man, I'm like, this card's only worth $3. I really like that card. I know that card could go up. Um, and I'm pretty sure it will go up because it's really good. So you have to get like really good at evaluating and like what makes a card good. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and, you know, and so we I'll do the trade that way. Like, and everybody leaves happy in that trade because, you know, uh, you got you got a ten dollar card for nine bucks nine, for three cards that are worth nine dollars. And it's basically, all right, well, the worst is, is that this card's still worth three dollars or it goes up to what I think the price is going to be. And I end up making forty five, you know, forty five dollars off of that trade yep. at a later point in time. Um and that's that's the real thing too. Is it's like that's how that's how I do the trading. So it's not necessarily like speculation. Is that I sit down and I look at cards and I go, okay, this card has the potential to be good. The market hasn't adjusted to the right value yet. With speculating, they're much more. This card's going to get popular. Um, it's weird. Like there's there's like a difference to it. Like with, with speculators, they go really hard into. Um, buying thousands and thousands of copies of a card uh our buddy we you know our buddy there uh good old jim yeah <laughs> he's he's heavy into speculating uh speculating is one word uh swing and a miss <laughs> is another word for me but you know tomato <laughs> tomato and that's the big problem with speculating is that um if you don't invest in cards that are good you got a whole bunch of cards that you can't move that's mm-hmm. basically in illiquid asset that nobody's going to take off your hands yeah and instead uh, of trying to, to hit home runs with penny stocks and then you just end up with a shit ton of penny stocks that nobody wants afterwards mm-hmm. like you can't even dump it for penny stocks yeah. it's you end up losing money on it regardless mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to you know s- taking a step up a little bit and then trying to get something in the mid-tier and then go from there that you know even if you do have to get rid of it in the future, you'll still get a decent return on it as opposed to, you know, hitting a home run with it. Yeah. And it's, and so basically what I do is, um, you know, I'll go to events and I like, I see a card that I like, like you, we just, we just saw that there was a card recently that, uh, we were talking about, um, talking about brewing a deck here 
and uh, or building a deck. Then I was like, man, this card's really good. And the card basically was it as soon as the next set got released, the card what doubled in value seven times over. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I mean, there's like no way I could predict that, but like, I saw the card, saw it had potential, and I knew the market price wasn't right on the card. So. I was like, well, and, and to be fair, like in most of the time when I do do this, the reason I do this style of trading is so I could just play the game um, because the game is very expensive to play when you want to play on a higher level because the good cards just cost more. Exactly. And that's kind of the big thing is why everybody it's the trading is a different aspect of the game. And then when you have a lot of people that want to play at a higher level and are trying to trade to get there, they end up taking their competitive nature to the trading environment. Mm -hmm. And it's something where I don't really see them overlapping, but other people think that if they're a little bit, you know, more, hardlined in trading then that'll convert to their play style and they'll be able to Mm. kind of become better competitive players and things like that so as opposed to it's like no like this is just economics there's nothing else here it's like again like what you said so far like this card is worth this much this card is worth this much swap them type thing Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 that's the way i've always that's like that's the way i've been playing tcgs since i was freaking eight or nine like you know, and all of those, like, you know, my, my growing up, my, you know, my mom was on disability and stuff, so we never had, like, a lot of money. And, like, so I would get a little bit into the game, and you would just have to have what you had and make it work. And so that's why, like, I got really good at trading out of, like, necessity. Um, and, you know, and it's something to still do. It's like I do it. The big thing is, like, I don't do it for profit because it makes it, you know, it'll be miserable. And, um, you know, it... That's actually been one of the things that I talk about people that it, that it gets me – I'm a little concerned with is the fact that like it's it's a lot harder to trade in magic now than it used to be. And when a trading card game is hard to trade in, you, there's going to be some issues because yeah. that's a fundamental – that's kind of a part of – it's a different part of the game, but um, – you know, and when things are just dictated by a secondary, you know, when things get over dictated by the secondary market and other players are, you know, basically dealing with sharks all the time, and you know, it's it it gets you know it gets a little worrisome for me because like I do like trading and like I like trading well like I tr- like trading with the right kind of folks um, I should say because um, there are folks out there that do make trades miserable and. Um, you know, it's like you sit down, look through a binder, switch, you know, talk, you know, like small talk and stuff. And, and there are some folks, especially in Magic, because of the kind of game that Magic is and the crowd that it does draw, um, who aren't very um, into uh, into socializing in what society would deem a typical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, yeah, like. You know, it's, you know, it's, you know, like small talk, kind of shoot the shit a little bit and, and do the trade and like doing that and like letting people know that you're friendly is always like a huge thing. Um, you know, cause I, cause I do the flea marketing stuff too. And I haggle a lot in that and, um, you know, it's all people get on me cause I haggle, you know, I'll haggle over a buck, but, um, I got a budget. I got a stick. Well, to it. but again, like you said, like when you when you're doing the the paper clipping, when you know when you get those ten cent, fifteen, twenty, fifty cent differences, and you do that a hundred times, then you're you know you're coming up out on top. And so you know haggling over things that something that you're thinking should be a little bit less than what it is, or what you're trying to get a little bit less for. And again, like contrary to some of the other guys that are on the other end like you don't have to be a dick about it but it's not something where you know you're you're going hard on it but it's something where you're just trying to again haggle where that's also something not common in america like it's just it's the u.s culture that you you, you know walk up somebody says something you pay that and walk away as opposed yeah. to like everywhere else in the world where you it's expected you haggle and so like i have friends in other countries who like when they come here and like they they don't expect to pay the price that's listed for numbers of reasons. <laughs> and so it's like, it's, it's, it's very culturally different too. But like, if you're good with that, I think that's one of the, the things that you succeed in where you're able to do that paper clipping type haggling, even with people, even with vendors. And you know, it's, it benefits you. You're getting a little bit more value for the, your money. They're still moving product and it's mm-hmm. for something that, that has a fluctu- or fluctuating value. Um, and so I, I think it's all the way around. It's just a matter of, you know, being able to, 
to kind of see where you want to get to move right. there and, and have that vision as opposed to me where it's just like this one guy didn't want anything i'm done and that's where like i i give up and kind of walk away so like and that's the big thing too is it's like you have to um yeah, so there's like there's like so many facets to it, and the, the when you brought up the big thing about um, Hagelin and um, there's a certain person who shall not be named, um, but I, I do flea market with them from time to time, and they don't uh, uh, it, it, they go too low too quick. Okay. So um, be like, oh, this is five bucks, right? And my response to that would be like, oh, I could do three on it, right? Which is a haggle that I know in an amount I'm comfortable paying, and I know is going to get accepted. When you go, oh, this item is five dollars, and you go, I'll give you one dollar for it. Yeah. There's going to be some. There's going to be some tension, and I, I notice that um, that happens a lot with um, with magic stuff too. Is that you have to poke around a binder and. Um, basically find stuff that folks aren't too terribly attached to that they're willing to get to trade you um so if like you know if you didn't like you know so for instance if you don't go so you open up somebody's binder and people always arrange binders differently um but if you were to go through somebody's binder and you see like pages of you know the first page is like cards that are worth twenty dollars and more and then you turn back a couple pages and you see a couple cards that are like worth five bucks Dollars to donuts, they're going to be attached to the every card on that front page that's over $20. Always attached to it. Yep. But those $5 cards that are in the back that don't get special treatment, they're okay trading. And it's like this weird psychological thing, too. Um, like, I set my binders up in a very specific way um, to basically... That's an organization, organizational way for me. Um, and I basically am like, okay, well, if... Um, you know, because yeah, because so, you know, I have the binders and I like I set them up so I could basically like play with the cards at some point, and if I end up going to you know a tournament and basically switch what I'm playing, which I've done before, uh, the night before, um, you know, I like being able to have that stuff there. People are like, well, if you're not really going to trade them, why do you bring them? I'm like, look, I got a price. The million dollar man Ted DiBiase said it. Everybody's got a price. I've got one. If I see a deal that's good enough, I'm going to take it. <laughs> you know, if I can see a deal that I work in, and not a lot of folks like really, you know, realize that where they're like, oh, and and it's all about poking. And, and the other thing is, too, is that you'll take those cards that may not be that great. And when you take them and you actually build a, your binder around them and actually be like, oh, man, this is like a three dollar card. But this person has cards that are worth thirty and forty dollars. At least, so this card has to be good enough to be in this binder with these cards. It helps you move some of the little stuff, too. Yep. And that's one of the things I, I don't think I do well enough um, is structuring my binder in a way that ends up wanting people to kind of delve deeper into it. Um, mm -hmm. It's something where uh, it's a little more uh, structured to how I would look at it logically. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> it's definitely a reflection of – or the effort put in is not something um, – or I guess you should say the results that I receive from trading with people is a is a direct uh, response to the amount of effort I put into mm. kind of structuring the binder and setting it up and things like that. Um, so it, it's something where uh, there may be stuff in there, but I may be kind of shooting myself in the foot based on the way it's laid out and structured mm. and stuff. But uh, in the long run, like there's – I've kind of – narrowed it down into a, a core set of people that I want to trade with. And then mm -hmm. if we happen to be at, um, large events and there's folks there that are doing stuff, um, I go ahead and then, you know, pull that, uh, pull that stuff or consolidate it. And then, you know, kind of ride on your coattails and, and jump around while you're, <laughs> you're, uh, beating people over the head and pulling them in and, and trading with them. Then I'll go ahead, uh, and see what else they want to do and, and do stuff there with it. So, yeah, the should I had an idea. Hold on, let me think. Um, that's the one thing too. Oh, that was what I was gonna, what I was gonna mention. Is there's this idea? Um, I go, I go very hard. I go quality over quantity. Um, I did now. To be fair, like uh, a lot of folks carry so much product, yep. and um, this is the other thing too. Is that in the long run, 
Um, our buddy John always said, whenever he like you know cashes out of a game or whatever, he's like, "Man, it's cardboard. I got money for this." <laughs> um, he's right. Like, um, and, and so one thing that I've always learned um, is different than Yu-Gi-Oh because, like in Yu-Gi-Oh, you would get sh- you would get stuck with all the stuff that you couldn't kind of move um, because there were never a lot of vendors to basically take it off all your hands. At Magic, since there's so many different places that sell this, is you can offload all the stuff you just don't want, and people don't use that um, as a as um, a tool. Yeah, because it is because you know I've been to events where I've carried around five, six different binders, you know, a couple decks, and like your back hurts, you're miserable, you're not getting a lot of trading done because you have so much stuff to go through. Um, you know, and you know, we have some mutual friends who uh, shall rename rename nameless, but are very attached to every card they acquire. Exactly. And um, you know, it's like guys, it's like you know, um, <laughs> you know, some of the some of them may play some penny stocks, um, but <laughs> um, you know, I'm always about the thing where I'm like, just dump it. You know, if you're not going to use it. Um, and you, if you can't see yourself using it, you don't need it because mm-hmm. that means there's there's no value. If there's no value there for you, there's no value there for anybody else. That's why that's like my like, you know, that's my main reason why I don't play those penny stock penny stock kind of cards is because I don't see the value in it. There's a good chance a lot of other people aren't going to see the value of it either. And because those cards don't have a lot of value, people aren't going to be okay paying the new value for it and if that happens is that really the new value of the card or is that just some inflated price it's something you can't move mm-hmm. exactly um so the I, I basically just look for cards that i like and i see potential in and you know i'm like you know it's a little bit of a vacuum um i also my thing is like if i see a card and it gets me excited to maybe use it like that's a that's another big thing too and um, I do say that my, you know, my misses don't hurt as often because I don't go as deep as some of the penny stock guys. Um, people like me more because I don't, you know, I don't, you know, rip them off mm-hmm. um, like some of the other traders. There are people, there are like people in the local area where I live who are notorious for it and nobody likes interacting with them. Um, and all they do is they go from new player to new player. And basically just rip them off, They're which I try like, to shark them, which is yeah, you know yeah, that, that's super uh, shitty, yeah, like, shitty, annoying, and you know, parasitic to the player base and the game yeah. and the community and all that stuff. Yeah, and and you know, I, like I don't, you know, I don't do that kind of stuff. Like I'll talk to new players, I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm like I'll tell me like this is what your card's worth. I'm interested in it, and you know, I'm like, you can pull some, car- you know, like pull cards out what you want. And then we can go from there. And, you know, I'm always like, if they don't pull out enough, I'm like, look, you know, you still got, you can pull out like, you know, if they're going through like a, a binder of stuff that, um, you know, that I've had for a while, whatever. I'm like, you can just keep pulling out stuff until you're happy. And, and, you know, they end up, you know, being happy or, you know, they get excited and want to go sell the card. And then it's like, cool. Like, you know, most of the time now what I do, um, is because, um, just because of like sort of like the change in, in, in uh, I don't say atmosphere, but the change in sort of like the atmosphere of trading, um, I basically just um, like I'll I don't even pull my stuff out anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll ask to see somebody else's stuff to see if there's anything that I'm even remotely interested. Yep, interested in. <clears throat> and then if there is, then I pull out. I pull out my binders, uh, my couple binders, and sit down and talk with them and, and get to know them to expedite the trade a little, you know. But there's so many, you know, there's so many people out there. And what I'm looking for now, play-wise, is just so specific because um, I'm getting into playing uh, the more expensive, one of the most expensive formats that we can play. Um, it's all the old, you know, all the old cards end up being worth a lot more than the new cards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um so I'm getting into playing that, and uh, speaking of that, I need to. I have that that deck list. And after we finish this episode, I need to at least tell you about that deck list because I think I'm onto something that okay. Jason and I were testing. Um, so, you know, it's um, 
you know, so what I'm looking for is like when I'm sitting down at somebody's binder, it's like I'm looking for the cards that'll help me get to that card that ends up being like 300 bucks. Um, you know, and, you know, looking at stuff where, you know, like I'll spend money on stuff. Um, and I'm not afraid to vendor stuff either. That's a big thing. Um, and I'm not going to argue with vendors. Like some folks, some folks will haggle with vend. Like I'll have you, I'll haggle with on price, but if they're buying it and since I'm familiar with how, like, since I've worked for a couple different tabletop gaming stores, like I know how business goes and I'm mm-hmm. like, if I ask for any more than this, I know I'm cutting into their profit. That's already kind of thin as it is. Um, and a lot of it's it comes back to that thing where it's the big rule. It's like you know, I guess like big three rules are like be friendly, know what's appropriate to ask for, <laughs> and like you know, um, you know, don't sweat it. If a trade doesn't go through, you know, if somebody doesn't trade with you, they don't trade with you. It's no biggie. Um, that's not the last opportunity you're going to have to trade. Yep. Um, and honestly, if it's like. Um, if you're looking for specific weird, like I like to look for like those cards that I think are going to be, you know, good, um, or that I, I would like to play. And, um, sometimes it can get you, sometimes it can be a little frustrating when you're looking for a card that's not, um, um, you know, super, it's not super expensive, but they are hard to find. Um, and that can, sometimes that can get discouraging, but if you just, you know, sit down and enjoy the trading, the trading aspect of your trading card game. Um, it ends up not being too bad. Um, and that's very similar to kind of what you were saying with the, the quality over quantity, um, mm-hmm. kind of one other kind of recreation that uses trading as well as, you know, fantasy football. And so there's mm-hmm. a lot there where that's kind of a lot of the, the annoying thing every Sunday is they have the, basically the, the kind of a lot of the non-fantasy guys, but just the, the core studio guys for CBS or Fox or ESPN, like mm-hmm. giving their fantasy tips. And it's always like, <laughs> uh, like, uh, <laughs> some of them are like drafting, like only draft one kicker. Oh, gee, thanks. Uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's like the, the most worthless fantasy tips, but some of the ones that are actually there is like, you never want to be the guy, you know, giving up one of your players for three of the other guys, just because, you know, if somebody's valuing that guy that highly, you know, you having one of him is going to be much more valuable than having three guys that make him up when you can only keep so many on your bench and things like that. So it's right. always it's always looking to for you to to try to trade for more versus versus vice versa. So always try to you know trade up in value and trade up in mm-hmm. quality, not necessarily trade up in quantity, um, so that you can make sure that you you know you're uh, kind of again you know kind of paper clipping in that way to to My kind of go a little bit more. So good this year too. I uh, did horrible. Mine was good, and then I crapped out in the playoffs. So um, injuries just uh, just killed me uh, for the for the playoffs. But uh, I think it's every other year I'm I end up you know first <laughs> overall, first in points, blah blah blah, and then I just shit the bed in the playoffs. So I've I've had that numerous times. So like I need I just need to find a league that rewards um, regular fantasy season performance and I mean, whoever wins the Super Bowl, yeah, 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 that's fine. You can get your money too. But I just need somebody that rewards the fantasy or the the regular season. So you know, weeks one through fourteen or one through thirteen, because I do well there. Come to playoff time, I'm I'm absolute horrible. Um, but you know that that's a, another topic for for later on down the road. But I, it's just it's interesting, like what you were saying, if you embrace the trading aspect of the trading card game, it becomes a little bit more enjoyable as opposed to you know using the trading aspect to kind of angle shoot people to kind of be a shark to kind of do this and that to then go into the competitive nature and so um i mean i think that's the the next couple of big events whenever they may be um i think that may be the the route i take to be a little bit more uh kind of relaxed uh whether that ends up being uh naturally or pharmaceutically enhanced and try doing some (laughs) of that uh try doing some of that trading and see how that goes and hopefully i don't end up with a bunch of napkins uh, as as I trade for the, the rest of my cards, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, 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 it'll be fun. Hopefully, it'll be one of these events we can actually you know get together here. So I, I know uh, last week we or last episode we mentioned uh, you'd brought up uh, Vegas in response to how frequent mm-hmm. some of these GPs are. Is that one you're thinking of possibly doing, or is that not within your I, your price range or anything yet? I am trying so hard. I want to do Vegas so bad. Um, 
because it's one of those formats. The one format that I really just like, um, and just and the other format's pretty good. Um, and honestly, like I've never been to Vegas before, so like I think I could swing it. Like the, I'm thankful with the place that I work, as long as they don't you know randomly can me. Um, which is which is a total Paris thing, by the way. It's inherited. Every Paris always has the fear of being randomly fired. Um, it's uh, genetic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so. Um, I, I want to do it so bad. I'm just like trying to get all my like travel plans together for it. Um, I actually random, I almost, I was looking at flights the other day. Um, and I was thinking, it's like, well, I could buy the check. I can buy, I can buy the plane ticket here. I can do this and this and I can save up and I should be able to go. I just don't want to go by myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what like, was it two years ago uh, they did uh, it was yeah two years ago they did the modern masters 15 gp there and I, I was like yeah i'm all in and then i just couldn't swing it just based on all the other travel that i'm doing and we've got a ton of travel this year and like uh, we've got a wedding we're attending it's close but it's still stuff like a couple weeks before that but just this is definitely something i want to hit just based off of being you know a legacy grand prix a limited grand prix a, a modern grand prix and i'm looking at the site now yeah it's expensive for what they're doing so if you register before april 1st it's like 90 for each of the main events mm-hmm. but then if you look at some of the the stuff further down and you see the um like the grand master package for some of them or the vip upgrade package for some of them you're getting an ancestral recall playmat um and so like the brainstorm or the or, yeah brainstorm playmat we got when we were up in jersey was one and then uh one of our friends ed was uh you know, doing the the summer thing in Europe last year and picked some of us up a uh, uh, Sensei's Divining Top playmat uh, from Grand Prix Lyle uh, in in France. That was awesome. So just the kind of the uh, gotta have it nature of, of this ancestral recall playmat is enough for me to to want to even do it more. Um, and I, I'm in Vegas, kind of counter or kind of counter to you. I'm in Vegas a shit ton for work, so. Mm-hmm. Um, like I am actually going in a couple about a month and a half. I was there in August. I one year my record was in Vegas five or six times in Jeez. one year um, for work conferences and stuff like that. So I've been there a lot. Um, I'm not entirely sure where they're having it, um, but it's okay. It's at the convention center, so that's that's off the strip, but it's still super close to everything else. And then the strip is is pretty close, and it just it's a good time. And it's you know whatever you want to do, you know you can find stuff to be there. Whether you want to be basically a giant child in the middle of everything, you can do that on the strip. <laughs> if you want to go shoot you know fully automatic weapons in the desert, you can do that. You know yeah. whatever whatever anything like that's like a child's playground. If you want to do it, you can do it in <laughs> Vegas. So if you put me there when everybody else is doing that and i can just sit there and play magic and be happy you know that would be amazing yeah. so that that's what I'm, I, I'm definitely trying to hit that so just as Good. so we can we can keep planning that so because i i know there's a couple other folks and then my new play group here is is definitely looking to do it um mm. at least some of them uh if not for just kind of going out and if it yeah. ends up being something where you know as chill as what our experience was for charlotte this past year <laughs> uh, I, i'd still call that a success without a problem so i wouldn't have any issues with that yeah, I and I need folks to go with me because like I know like I like I don't have like a real addictive personality. Like I like like I picked up smoking and then like was like this isn't for me. Like put it down and uh like you know, I, I drink responsibly. I barely drink at all. Um and some of the other things that I've done I've not been um formed addictive habits with, which I'm thankful for. Um but I know if I go to Vegas, just a few times that I've played Hold'em with friends, mm-hmm. I will leave penniless and destitute. I'll have to, <laughs> to pull you away from the uh, pull you away from the tables and kicking and screaming and not wearing pants. Yeah, yeah, because I lost them to you know. Um, there's, it's funny, like, because I know, because like, it's like one of those things that's like would be like I really like it because like my thing is like it's new. And I haven't played a lot of Hold'em, but like I watched a lot of the uh, the World Series of Poker tournaments um, because it was the only thing that would be on basic cable at like two o'clock in the morning, and I'm a yep. night owl. Um, but I would watch those, and 
man, I just, I just like, I played a little, I played, um, I played this last Christmas with some folks from the, the tabletop gaming store that I work in. I was fucking hooked. Like it was bad. I was like, I'm like, I busted out and I was like, dang it. And I was like, well, I only, you know, and I only kind of knew the rules anyway, cause I wasn't like super, you know, uh, trying to mess with it. Mm-hmm. But I just know I go to Vegas and do that. Like I could do the, I could do the penny slots, you know, fine. Like I know I could do that. I could play, you know, I could play back blackjack and get away from the table, but playing hold them, man, it'd be bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what. Uh, I, I mean, I played a lot of hold them in in college, and I had roommates that were were awesome at it and were very well into it. Um, and I did have a roommate in college who did lose his pants to a hold them game. Um, <laughs> but even in like hold them tournaments, it's something where for me, I end up. Uh, uh, kind of having the uh the attention span of a toddler where after a while the chips just amuse me more than what's going on in the game yeah. so uh i i'm just like i start making stupid bets and then people are mad at me and i lose all the money and i just like <laughs> okay i had fun for a couple hours now i'm doing something else um so that's why I, i'm not a great person to um to to play hold em with but my game is uh is roulette um since there's okay. a, a more of a numbers game base there um i i mean the the best odds you have um, in Vegas are at Baccarat. Um, I don't understand anything about Baccarat, so that would be something <laughs> where I would lose a shit ton of money. Um, <laughs> but I, I do have a system for uh, for um, uh, roulette that seems to work relatively well. Every time we've done it, I've had coworkers that have won, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of dollars and we've we've you know collectively for three or four of us taken away a couple thousand from the table and been able to the, then go lose it elsewhere um but <laughs> at, at least that's good so um yeah i mean it's it's a, a many people have different experiences in vegas and all that stuff and it, and it comes up being into like a the concept of uh, uh everything in moderation um and and so we'll usually bounce between some some tables here and there and then you know go to another casino and hit up a different game or or, you know, everybody has their their favorite different game, and of course, nobody agrees on you know which favorite game they have. So, like in one night with a group of three of us, my favorite game's roulette. Another guy really likes craps. Another guy really likes uh, blackjack. Um, I refuse to play blackjack unless it's with the majority of the people at the table or people I know, um, because that's a game that's uh, you're very dependent on other people performing quote unquote correctly for you to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hate getting yelled at when I just want to sit there and have fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i just have i have horrible karma when it comes to craps where every time i've done something in craps it's uh um been a situation that i've lost all my money while i'm betting the same exact way as my uh my friends and they're racking up hundreds of dollars and i just keep losing money <laughs> and i don't know how it's happening um so again there there comes that that toddler experience where i just kind of peace out um uh, but then uh there's there's still a lot of games and a lot of fun to be had and uh, i mean uh even living in chicago now there's some of the best food here but i mean there's still you know whatever you yeah. want the top quality there's the some of just the hands-on best food in the world is in vegas um i mean if you like the buildings the buildings are great there's tons of good shopping um and so just to be able to have that out there and, and kind of have uh the the camaraderie that we normally have when it comes to these big events uh, for big magic events. Uh, but then you put that in Vegas and you put that as a, a triple GP. Um, and as they're advertising, it's five fantastic days of magic. Then that would be a, a pretty awesome time to, to kick it. So hopefully we can make that happen. I'm hoping too. I'm actually thinking about, you know, how much time I actually want to take off of work. And because I figured if I start planning it now, I can at least like prepare myself for it. Mm-hmm. And like, at least get in the mindset of like, fuck, I'm going to Vegas, like, and and get in it and get in that mindset, like, because you know me, like every time I go to a new town or a new city, I just want to go to the flea market, yep, and buy other people's useless crap. So, um, <laughs> well, <was> depending <laughs> on how you fly and what suitcase you bring, that'll that'll limit uh limit what you're able to. So so at least that would be a, a little bit of a, a guiding principle there. Yeah. I found this really cool thing. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, so Max so when uh, Max and I went down to Atlanta, we were coming back, and um, he's a he's a big fan of stopping a lot. And I, I hate doing that on road trips, but I was okay with it because we stopped at, like, a giant flea market. And so I definitely bought, like, a couple games and, like, 
<laughs> I definitely bought like a, a couple games at a, a flea market in Georgia at like two in the afternoon. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, you got games. That's cool. <laughs> and then, then you spend forever flipping through them and then uh, swapping stories and then do some of the aforementioned bartering and, and uh, <laughs> haggling and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, we went. I, that's the fastest I ever went through a flea market. I think I went through like there was some stuff and I could have like haggled because it was like late, late. Um, went through a lot of stuff and was because we were just trying because I was trying not to get home at like ten. Yeah, and I was just like, I went through. It's like we missed like half the flea market and like I got like I bought like two games for like eight bucks and was like, or it might have been like two for ten or whatever. But um, I went through so quick. I was we were there for like twenty thirty minutes. And like usually, like usually for a flea market, like I do like three passes, go through stuff, you know, hem and haw, think. But no, I was just like, all right, I know this game, I know this game, I'm kind of looking for this one. I just threw them, bought them real quick, threw them in the car, and I was like, let's go. Nice. All right. Well, I I think I've got to figure out what I'm doing for for dinner tonight, and then it's getting late here on my end, so it's got to be getting late on your end. Um, uh, so we'll uh, we'll call it a night here. Um, look to get this uh, get these up and produced sometime soon, um, and then catch back up uh, sometime uh, with some uh, some newer topics. Um, so uh, I don't have anything yet in mind, but uh, I'll keep the the brainstorm going uh, and, and see how it goes from there. And um, we'll have to start you know maybe next time talk uh, start talking and, and brainstorming ourselves about uh, mm-hmm. some of the other guests and some of the other things we want to hit. So. Um, I'm good for this week. If there's anything else for you, uh, that's 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 pretty much it. The um, yeah, like I'm pretty much the biggest. You know, the next thing on my radar is the uh, Nintendo Switch coming out. So that that's probably that's that's, that's going to be a topic sooner than later. So we so. we can start a Switch countdown every every week where we can have a, a this week uh, this week segment brought to you by uh, three more days until Nintendo Switch. <laughs> March third hashtag. I'm so sad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah so uh we'll we'll end it there with uh um uh, hopefully not everyone uh hashtagging i'm so sad with uh n- all the <laughs> all the new magic trading advice but uh we'll, we'll go from there uh and then uh and kind of pick it up uh sometime in the future so yep. all right have a week please listen Take carefully <laughs>